One of the problems with canonical theology or trying to synthetically put together a New Testament theology is that sometimes we take ideas from a variety of places in the scripture and they get mashed all together in our middle Cuisinarts and in fact we don't do justice to the discrete nature of each of the different ideas. One such place that that happens is when we are dealing with the concept of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit as opposed to the unforgivable sin, as opposed to the mortal sin, as opposed to whatever Hebrews 6 is about when it talks about crucifying Christ afresh. So let's focus in this particular little talk on the issue of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If you study it in context, and as I like to say, a text without a context is just a pretext for whatever you want it to mean. If you study the phrase, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which only appears in the Gospels itself, in the Synoptic Gospels, what it's talking about, says Jesus, is calling God's good evil and calling evil good. In the immediate context in which this discussion happens, for example, in Mark 3, the issue is that Jesus has been exorcising demons from various Jews, and uh, the Jewish authorities were suggesting, well, this is the work of the devil. He's dabbling with demons, and he's in the pocket of the devil, and he's in league with Satan. And, of course, Jesus says this makes no sense at all. Satan wants demons in people. I want demons out of people. A house divided against itself cannot stand, and so on and so on. And then he says something very interesting. He says, it's one thing to run me down and uh, even say bad things about the name of Jesus. But it's another thing to curse or deny or denigrate the work of God through God's Holy Spirit. That's what he means by the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about a particular moral error like committing adultery or lying or cheating or this, that, and the other, or stealing. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit has to do with a totally wrong attitude about the work of God. When you start calling the work of God the work of the devil, when you start calling evil good and good evil, that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does that relate to this concept of the unforgivable sin that may or may not be the focus of Hebrews 6? What the author of Hebrews 6 says is simply this. It is possible for a genuine Christian to commit apostasy, having received the Holy Spirit in his life and tasted of the Word of God and accepted it and believed it with your whole heart, it is possible to commit apostasy. And he says, suggests, that there's no road back from that. So what the heck is apostasy? Apostasy is a conscious, willful rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a rejection of his uh, atoning death on the cross, a, a rejection of his resurrection, a, a rejection of him being the divine son of God, born of a virgin. That is what the author is talking about, and that is why he calls it a crucifying of Christ again, afresh. And he says if you do that, if you commit that, that is a sin that doesn't allow for forgiveness, and in fact it sends you right out of the kingdom of God. 
Now, this is a stern warning, and whether we should see this as literal or rhetorical hyperbole, different scholars have debated, but certainly it's a very serious warning that you're not eternally secure till you're securely in eternity. Now finally, what about that third text? What about the sins that are unto death and the sins that are not unto death in 1 John 5? That text has to do with Christological affirmation or not. He says the person who denies Jesus Christ come in the flesh is by that renunciation committing a sin that is unto death. Okay? This is a deadening act, something that kills your spiritual life. And he then says in regard to this that it's okay to pray for people who have committed other kinds of sins, violations of the Ten Commandments or whatever. But um, he says, I am not urging you to pray for those who are guilty of mortal sins. This is, by the way, the basis in the Catholic tradition of the distinction between mortal and venial sins. Whatever else we say about 1 John 5, it's not doesn't have the same subject matter as Mark 3. Its subject matter is closer to that of the concern in Hebrews 6, which is this. It is possible for a believing person to go beyond the pale by committing apostasy in some form. And so there are these infinite warnings about Christians not making shipwreck of their faith. <music>